The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Before you're seated, I want to take a minute and read you something. Um, we are going to look at Saul, I'm sorry, John chapter 17 today, more about the high priestly prayer of Jesus. But as I was thinking this week about him being our high priest, my attention was drawn to the book of Hebrews, where it teaches us that that is indeed who Jesus is. And in chapter 7, verse number 25, the writer has just said uh, that Jesus is our high priest, and then he says, consequently, okay, because of that, listen to these words, okay, if you're, if you're not focused at all, you don't want to miss this, listen to this before you listen to my sermon, okay, listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> the writer says this, consequently, he is able to save us to the uttermost because he is our high priest. I love that. Another translation says completely the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, but he is able to save us to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him, through Jesus. Listen to this phrase, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Since he always lives that idea that Jesus was and is and will always be and he always lives and he makes intercession if that's a word you're not familiar with he prays for us he enter he he states our case over and over again isn't that awesome so as we look at John chapter 17 today and see what Jesus prayed let us remember that he prays for us I thought too I think the song we sang a uh, second to last was Psalm 84 is that right and uh, we, we sang in there that uh, when we're seated at his table, we're, in, we're home, basically. Now, let's ask the Lord just to make this time, as we look at his word, uh, a time of sitting at his table and finding that ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, what he has to minister to us this day. Father, I ask that you would powerfully minister. Uh, yeah, Adam talked about being camouflaged today. Yep. Help me to step out of the way, Lord. That, that just that verse that I read, so powerful, your truth, uh, I don't want to get in the way of that, Lord. Would you communicate your truth powerfully in our lives this day, I pray. Amen. You may be seated now. Okay, as we said, or as I said, somebody said, we are going to go into what is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus uh, in Scripture, in John chapter 17, and we do call it the high priestly prayer. But before uh, we dig into what we want to look at this week, a couple just reviews. Remember last week we talked about the idea that one of the main themes of it is he talked about the glory of God. Okay, I was sitting um, Friday, I guess, we were at Shipshawana. And uh, that meant my wife was looking in the little shops, and I was sitting on the bench outside, those little comfortable Amish chairs. Uh, and I was sitting there watching people go by. A young lady walked by me, and she had a sweatshirt on. They had these three stars that reminded me of a certain football team that I got excited about. And I thought, hey, it wasn't the right colors, but it looked like the Steeler emblem. And I thought, hey, I was going to talk to her. It's a Steeler fan. And she walked past the back of her sweatshirt said something even better. It said, make Jesus famous. And I thought, ah, that's pretty cool, yeah. 
<laughs> this is probably embarrassing. I was ready to talk to her as a Steeler fan. I never did talk to her. Uh, somebody wanted to make Jesus famous. I need to go back and find her. But, uh, but make Jesus famous is that idea of his glory shining the spotlight in everything we do. In our lives, in our church, that's who we want to be the hero here. Again, let me. I know I'm repeating myself, but I loved you know, Adam saying at the beginning, hey, we're camouflaged here. That's what we want. If you walk out of here and say, boy, wasn't that pastor good looking? Okay, nobody's ever said that. But, uh, but, uh, but if you walk out of here and say, boy, wasn't that a good sermon? That's not where we're going. But if you walk out of here and say, I want to shout his name. I want to shout his praise. He is so wonderful. That's what we're after, right? Okay, and then preaching his word. Uh, many times as Jesus prayed here in John chapter 17, he talked about his truth, his word, the importance of that. Again, TED Talks, they can be good. You, you guys listen to TED Talks? Some of them are downright inspirational. Some of them are really good. Some of them stink, but, uh, but some of them are, are powerful. But we're not here for a TED Talk. We're here to look at the truth of, of the Word of God. So uh, if I can uh, make it uh, sound a little bit smarter, you want people to think you have an intelligent pastor, we'll use our seminary words here. Instead of saying proclaim his glory and teach his truth, we'll say we need to be theocentric. You got that? God-centered. Theo, God-centered. And we need to be bibliocentric. Okay, Bible-centered. That's pretty good, isn't it? You think I'm smart? Okay, never mind. I don't know where I found those this week. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and read. And again, we're going to pick it up. We're going to go back over a little bit of what we read last week from John chapter 17 and then go on from there. Uh, Jesus is praying again. Says uh, He's talking to him. He stops. He lifts up his eyes towards heaven and he prays. And, and, and as he's in the middle of it, he says, I have given them your word. We talked about that. And the world has hated them. Because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Now, we looked at that idea of the truth uh, last week and the importance of God's word. As he, as he goes on, he says, I have, you have sent me into the world. So I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in truth. So I want to focus on that idea of us being in the world or us being particularly sent into the world. The root of that, I'm sorry, the Greek word there for sent is uh, the same word that uh, is translated into the word apostle, apostello. Uh, we are sent. We are ambassadors to this world. So if I could add to our list here, we want to remember that coming to church should be a preparation for going. Jesus said in John chapter 4 that the harvest is true, and if we just, uh, uh, harvest is truly great, and if we just get wrapped up in just coming, and that's all we're doing and being fed all the time, what it leads to is something that is very unhealthy. It leads to a spiritual obesity. Charles Spurgeon, who gets quoted more than probably any other preacher in history, uh, said, if you don't want others to know about salvation, I question whether you know salvation. Salvation. 
And that fits perfectly with Scripture because when the woman at the well came to know Jesus, what's the first thing she does? She runs and tells others. And, uh, you know, what happens throughout Scripture when somebody uh, comes to know Christ, like the Philippian jailer, what does he do? He wants his family to know the same thing. And if we know Jesus as Savior, it is a natural response that we're going to want other people to know. So coming should be a preparation for going and sharing the gospel. Uh, so we're not only to be promoting his glory, preaching his word, but we also uh, understand that God has called us to penetrate his world. Okay? Now, there's a phrase you might be familiar with from Scripture that, that the idea comes out very plainly in this passage. We are in the world, but not of the world. Now, understanding that phrase is sometimes tough. You know, okay, exactly what does that mean? Um, this uh, few weeks back, we uh, had my son and his family come visit us from Wyoming. Uh, they used to live in Colorado, and uh, when they said they'd come for the summer, I said, hey, Mom and I would like to pay for you to come because we are generous parents. Uh, and they wouldn't come otherwise. But, uh, the, uh, but so we said, hey, uh, we really want you to come see us, so, uh, so uh, we'll pay. Now, at the time, they lived in an hour away from Denver. A flight from Denver to Chicago, you can get them cheap, and you can get them uh, easy. And I said, we'll pay for you to fly here, piece of cake. And then after we told them that, they said, well, we're moving to Wyoming this summer. A flight from Grand or not, Rapid City, South Dakota, which is close as the airport to Chicago, not quite as cheap as a flight from Denver. Uh, so, but I did, I did the old dad thing that I didn't mean, and I said, doesn't matter, just, just get the tickets you want, whatever fits. Uh, and uh, it's, it's kind of funny, because if I tell my daughter's family that, <laughs> well, we'll have the surf and turf. Uh, my, my son's family really is by nature cheap. Okay, so so I was I was a little safer with them, uh, telling them, hey, it doesn't matter wherever you find good tickets, get them. So uh, so she actually found incredible bargain to go from Rapid City to Chicago. I looked at the flight nonstop, perfect timing. It was all good. She got here. Then I got looking at the return trip. Yeah. So on the return trip, they were to leave Chicago at 6 a.m., they were to fly to Dallas. Now, I don't know how you are at geography, uh, but Chicago, uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, Dallas. Uh, so they were to fly to Dallas, and then they were to leave Dallas 12 hours after they got there and fly to South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Yes. Uh, you know, I was kind of like, well, you could get an Uber and go somewhere. They said, we have car seats and everything. We can't do that. We're going to be stuck at the airport for 12 hours. I told them, get whatever they want. It wasn't my fault, right? Uh, but, uh, but she found this bargain, and, and she took it. So they were there at the airport for 12 hours. So, of course, after the trip's over the next day, we let them recover a little bit. We called them and said, how was it? She said, you know, it wasn't too bad. She said, the Dallas airport has these little trains that run all over the place. The kids loved riding them. <laughs> And uh, the escalators were fun, too. Uh, so she said, we, we, we really made a pretty good day out of it. I share that to say this. If we can view, and I, and I like this, if we can view this life here as a layover, okay, that's all it is. And if we can decide, hey, we're going to make the best of it and make the best of every opportunity that we have uh, to share Jesus Christ with others, always un understanding that our role is ambassador. This was always going to be a temporary assignment, and we are not to get too attached here. It's a layover. Let's make the best of it. Let's do what, do what we can to survive what we're doing here because God has called us to penetrate this world. I uh, found... 
little section of book that I wanted to share with you was said five different ways we can approach the world. Okay, one of the things we can decide is we are going to totally isolate from the world. In other words, we want to live in a world that is totally surrounded by Christians. That's what we want to do. We want to stay there. I want to suggest to you that that is, a, that is coming. <laughs> it's called heaven. Okay, that's the place where we can live in this world that is totally surrounded by Christian. But sometimes well, we isolate to the place where we cannot impact the world that God has left us in for a reason. By the way, I, I want to throw this out here. I'm not really including, as I even think about that education. Well, in other words, I'm not saying don't don't homeschool your kids or don't put your kids in Christian school. And I'm not saying don't put your kids in the uh, in, uh, public school either. I'm not saying any of those things. Uh, but I am saying I don't think that you are isolating to say I want to educate my kids this way. So uh, I just want to kind of shoot that in there. But I do think that it is not our best approach is to say, hey, I don't want to have anything at all to do with this world. Jesus said, you're there. <laughs> okay, I've sent you into the world. You are to be ambassadors. The second thing uh, the writer said is that many d- decide to insulate. Now, I actually kind of like this word. He used it to say, hey, sometimes we just look at the world and we criticize everything going on uh, and, and, you know, judge everything and look down on it. I don't really mind the idea of insulating from the world because I think in our text we see that God gives us his word to sanctify us and his word actually becomes an insulator. We are in an environment that is not natural for for a child of God. Let me say that again. We are in an environment that is not natural for a child of God. So to be insulated by the word of God is like putting on the scuba suit to go underwater. So I don't know that that's all that's a bad thing to be insulated. Uh, But uh, the third thing he said was we can vegetate, which is the idea of just, I don't want to have anything to do with the world. I'm just apathetic towards it. Um, this is a temptation, isn't it? Uh, if I can confess for a minute, somebody was talking to me this week. Um, I was saying I had a friend in town, and I went out with him, and he loves to talk politics. And uh, I'm not all that knowledgeable on politics, but he was talking to me. And this is a terrible thing to say. Do not write this down. Scratch this from the tape. Anything like that. But I said, I don't even know if I'm voting next time. Now, don't, don't judge me. I will. I'll vote. I'll come around to it. But I, sometimes I get kind of like, I don't care. <laughs> I am so tired of hearing about, you know, this indictment and this arrest and this uh, everything. I'm just so tired about it. I don't even care anymore. anymore. Now, that's not the approach to have. I I understand that we want to impact the world in a positive way. But sometimes you just get where, man, things are so messed up. And I think all of us, I'm hearing younger people say this, so I don't feel bad saying this. But it seems like our world just every day grows weirder and, and more messed up. And I, I would feel like the old guy saying that, but I'm actually hearing, I listened to a couple of young preachers say that this, and I thought, hey, all right, I'm not as old. You know, that's definitely an old guy thing. When I was a kid, uh, you know, and, and this world keeps getting worse. But I, I listened to some young people say it, so I feel a little bit better about it. But it does seem like that all the time, and the tendency would be like, well, just forget it all. But God has left us here deliberately to impact this world, to penetrate his world. If we imitate his world, this world. Uh, again, it's talking about the world, talking about its philosophies and, and, and it's, it's the system that is there. If we imitate it, then there's no attraction. Uh, like forces, uh, what do they do? They repel, right? 
uh, they're going to have to see something different about us. And if all we do is set out to imitate the world, all we do is to be as much like them as possible, there will be no attraction there. So we want to penetrate. Uh, we want to uh, dive into that idea of penetrating his world. It's a weird expectation we have a lot of time that we're going to fit right into this world. If you could view it more as that layer over that I talked about, but also if you could view it as a missions trip. If you've ever had the opportunity to go on a missions trip, can you see uh, you know, somebody, yeah, I went on a missions trip. Man, it was hard. They made us work. I thought we were going to be you know, sitting on the beach with a, uh, somebody bring me a little drink with an umbrella in it. And uh, you know, I thought that's what it would be. You say, man, that doesn't really make sense. But we sometimes look at this world expecting it to be you know, a piece of cake and easy. Listen to what Jesus said. They're going to hate you sometimes because of my word, because that word that is in you. Sometimes they're not going to love everything that you're doing. You need to realize that. And if we expect to fit in perfectly, then there won't be much penetrating. Let's, let's go on and um, read a little bit more about what Jesus said again in John 17. He said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Okay, he's, he's praying for the disciples, but he said, I'm not just praying for them. I'm praying for those who believe. We can, I think we can definitely put ourselves in this group. Those who believe in the next generation of believers, the next generation who believe the truth of God, who believe that Jesus Christ came to pay the price for sin and turn from their sin and repented and believed in Jesus Christ. We're all in that group who believed in me through their word that they may be one. Okay, listen to what he's praying here, that they may be one just as you father are in me and I in you that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me he says I want them to be one so that the world may believe we'll come back to that idea a little bit here the glory that you have given me I have given them and they that they may be one even as we are one by the way you might remember last week we looked at the word unity because in the early parts of John 17 he prayed for that idea too, this oneness and now you're seeing it again. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. I see my glory that you, uh, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you, that you have sent me, and I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved them may be in them, and I in them. Okay, again, as we, <laughs> I mentioned this last week, there is so much in John chapter 17, we could spend an awfully long time there. But we focus on a couple of the purposes uh, for our lives and for the church that Jesus prayed. And we're doing the same thing today, focusing on a couple more. And the last one that I, uh, that I wanted to point out to you, we'll call it possessing God's priority just so I can have all my alliteration there. But it is that idea of unity. We see how much this is important to God. And I have no reservations about saying that from a scriptural standpoint. When I read through the New Testament, when I read through the letters to the churches, I see this as such a priority of God is the idea of unity of his people. Now, there's a quote I want to share with you from uh, a fellow from the uh, fourth, fourth and fifth century, I think he lived. But he said, in essentials, in things that are non-negotiable, we need to have unity. In other words, we need to be in complete agreement. 
in non-essentials, there is room for liberty. And then in everything or in all things, we need to have chari charity. But let me back up for a second. Now, as we explore unity, as we talk about unity a little bit, first of all, I want you to see how God prays for us here. Now, how would we pray for each other? Okay, what, what are our first requests? They're always going to be about health, success, even fun and safety. You know, pray to have a good time. Josh and family are going on vacation uh, today. We're going to pray they have a safe trip. Uh, we're going to pray they have fun. We're going to pray they get some sleep because they're loading in that little pop-up with all six of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pray those, those little things. Uh, and that's what we think all the time. I think this prayer of Jesus challenges us to pray. As we see his priority, I think it challenges us to pray on the next level, even as we pray for our family. Yes. Do we pray for health? Yes. Do we ask for success? Yeah. I pray, you know, you'll pass that. They pass their test at school and they do this. All the things are good. But there's a higher level of things that are more important that I think we should be praying about in their relationship to God, in their trusting in God, uh, in their growing in the grace that he gives them and strengthening them. And Jesus prays as he prays for the church. He doesn't say, Lord, give them. <laughs> I hope they break 200. Uh, you know, give it, give them. What he prays is I want them to be unified. I want them to know that now unity is not unanimity. It's not that idea that everybody's going to agree about everything uh, in the church in the New Testament. Paul and Barnabas had a good old fight one time uh, that uh, you can read Acts chapter 15 and see how the church had to iron through some difficulties. You could see the disciples as they would argue about who's the greatest and everything like that. Um, C.S. Lewis said that if two people always agree on everything, one of them ain't thinking. I think. I don't think C.S. Lewis said ain't, though. I think I changed that a little, a little bit because he's a little smarter than I am. But, uh, but the idea is that, you know, we're not talking about agreeing with everything. But I love this statement that, with the idea there are some things that are just so important we all need to agree on. We're going to take some time this fall and go through a series on the things that are essential, the beliefs that are essential, the beliefs that, uh, hey, this is crucial. If I'm going to uh, walk with beside you and, and following Christ, these are some things we're going to believe in. Hey, number one, I believe that Jesus Christ was God's only son sent from heaven to pay the price for man's sin and is the only way to heaven. You know, things like that. That is essential. Okay. In other words, you, you say, well, I disagree with you on that. Hey, you're welcome here, James. You can sit there anytime you want, especially if your wife comes and sings. Uh, but, but, but I'm not, but, but, uh, but you know what I mean? I can't say, Hey, no problem. No biggie. There are other things we could say that are non-essential. And in that, just freedom. I mentioned something last week, and, and I got feel, I guess I got feeling a little guilty about it. I was talking about a church my son went to. This was when they were down in Colorado. And uh, they do a series every year on movies. And I mentioned this last week. They, they, uh, and they take probably 25, 30 minutes of the service, and they show a movie, and then they they apply some lessons from it. And I said, that's not really for me as we think about uh, shedding the word of God. But I, I, I want to backtrack a little bit and say this. That church, I know they have some very godly friends there. I know they, they take a month every year and they fast and pray for the church. And my, my son has grown there and stuff like that. So I want to back up and say that. Now, my cup of tea uh, and, and even my understanding of what we ought to do here is not going to lead us to show a lot of movies. Because the smell of popcorn doesn't make me as happy as it does other people, too. And first thing on Sunday morning, especially. Uh, but, you know, and I don't think we'll go that direction. But at the same time, 
I'm thankful for the impact that that church has had on my son. Uh, my daughter goes to a church that is very similar, and uh, they have connected in a small group that has really helped them grow and everything like that. And I'm going to say I'm thankful. And, I, you know, I'm not going to put, put up a fight and, you know, protest outside the church. No movies here. <laughs> Only what is the devil, so are you. Uh, you know, whatever. You know, we're not going to do that. So there are some areas where, you know, we just say, hey, we can, we can, we can live with each other here. And there are some points that we'll discuss some of these. Now, there's always going to be a debate about what's essential and what's not. I understand that. But there are some points where I know some of you disagree with me, and it's a... Can, can I give you one? Be real honest. I hope this doesn't make anybody storm out of the room when I say this. I believe in what is called a pre-trib rapture. Okay? I believe that. I believe Jesus is coming back. Some of you might believe in a mid-trib rapture or a post-trib rapture. I'm not going to fight you about it. If you want to arm wrestle me in the lobby afterwards, uh, you see these arms, you'll win. Uh, but uh, the... Uh, but honestly, it's that type of thing that I would say, I don't know that that is as essential, but there are some things that are essential. But then he says, in everything, in everything, in all things, charity. In other words, I want to be loving in the way I conduct myself and kind to people in every opportunity that I can, whether I agree with them or disagree with them, whether I think maybe they're right or maybe they are just plain wrong, I still want to treat them the right way. So... Again, possessing God's priority, which is for unity. Now, does anybody know what uh, that stands for, Epcot? Anybody out of curiosity? Is it the initials stand for something. Anybody know? Nobody is a Disney holic. You know? Ah, oh, it would be you. Uh, you want to you share it? Oh, give him a hand. He knows his, uh, there you go. Uh, Epcot Center. I just thought it was a place where you rode that car right there at, the, at the beginning. Okay, it has the big ball, nice fireworks show or, or laser light show or whatever they have at that one. Uh, okay, so that's what it is. It's an experimental prototype community of tomorrow. And Josh could probably tell you what I'm about to tell you too. The design or the plan when it was a brainstorm in the head of Walt, Disney, or Mickey Mouse, whoever thought of it first, I don't know which one, uh, but uh, their, their idea was that this would actually be a community. They had for it to be a community of about 20,000 people, and he wasn't trying to build a theme park. He wanted to build a futuristic community. It's kind of like a, a trial thing there where everybody came and did life together. But it turned into, eventually through time, it turned into a place that we know where folks come to visit, and they have a good time, and they enjoy it, and they leave. Okay, I like that. Now, my point is this. When we look at this passage in John chapter 17, one of the things we see, and, and again, I didn't spend time on this, and I, that's part of the reason why I want to read that verse at the beginning. Just we see One of the things that just overwhelms me is the idea that Jesus does pray for me. I think that's so awesome uh, just to think about. But I wanted to dig into his prayer, what he's praying for. And in there, we see his purpose for the church. Okay, what we are to be together. And, uh, and we've talked about these things. Uh, the church is to be promoting his glory. The church is to be preaching, spreading his word. The, pre the church is to be impacting or penetrating his world. And the church is to be understand that one of the main priorities uh, that we have is for unity. So our challenge as we look and, uh, and review this passage, by the way, if you haven't written it down yet, go back and read uh, Hebrews. 
uh, chapter 7 in particular about the high priest. If you, wanna, if you don't really want to get a feel for this idea of our high priest who prays for us. But as we look at John chapter 17 and we focus on what the things Jesus is, is making important. You know, I said last week, one of the questions we want to ask ourselves is, is what I'm doing to the glory of God? Am I living my life like that? Am I all about me? Am I all about uh, shining the spotlight on me? Or do I want to ask myself that question? Am I living for his glory? Is, am I raising my kids for his glory? Um, am I going to work? Am I, am, I, am I building my new house for his glory? You know, I'm not, I, you know, please understand, I'm not preaching against anything that anybody's doing. But I'm saying the Bible says do all things for the glory of God. Are we doing that? So we, so we look at that. Secondly, you know, again, a focus, a clear focus on the word of God. Is that something that I am seeking to obey? Are there places in my life right now where I know what God's word says, but I'm going to do it my way? Are there, uh, am I making any effort at all to saturate my life in the truth of God? Because I see that this is a priority for him, penetrating the world. Okay? Is there any place in my life where I am seeking to share Christ with a lost world? Do I care? Have I become apathetic or isolated from it? I do think, and, and folks, this is kind of, I, I can remember, if I can share this real quickly. I remember I was a teenager when I first knew Christ. And um, I went to church, and they said, hey, we're going out. They, they called it teen soul winning. They said, we go out to this park in the Pittsburgh area and share Christ. And I was like, I'm in. I had no idea what I was doing. In fact, I went up to the youth pastor, and I said, hey, I'll be there Saturday. And he said, well, that's kind of for the kids that have been around here for a while and everything like that. I said, can I come? And he said, well, I don't know that you're really ready to come or anything like that. And I said, I'm in. I didn't care. Because that very much, again, that's something we see throughout Scripture, that is a natural part of us knowing the salvation of Jesus Christ. We know what it is to have our sins forgiven by Jesus Christ. We know what it is to trust in him. We know the difference that he's made in our lives. So we want to go tell people, whether we understand theology or anything else, that, that Jesus saves and that Jesus came to forgive sin. And Jesus came because he wants to have a, a personal uh, relationship with you that you can have through having your sins forgiven and trust in him. And we want other people to know that. And that becomes the passion of our life. Now, I, I shared my high school story because I, I want to confess this to you. As time went on, I have to work at that more and more to maintain it. It's pretty sad, but it's the truth. That's the natural response, but my selfishness and my sin and everything else creeps back in, and that desire to share Christ with others dwindles, sadly. Let us pray, God, rekindle that fire inside of me that I can take that, that, that I care again about people. By the way, that is why it is so important that a church always have new life, or one of the reasons why, that there always be, you know, some new Christians. First of all, they probably have a lot of friends who don't know Christ, and they care about it. Sometimes we get our, work, our life saturated in the church, and we don't know anybody anymore who doesn't even know Christ. But, um, but, but then there, there's an excitement and enthusiasm. Okay, if you ever look around and think, man, that person's a little bit too excited about Jesus. Hey, you don't have to jump up and down with them, but let them jump up and down. Uh, a little passion there. Personally, I want to keep jumping up and down as long as I can. Uh, when, when the bones get too old to do that, you, you lie me down somewhere. But, uh, the, but, uh, but if we think about that, 
Jesus is praying, I left them into the world, okay? I, I left them there, okay? I'm not taking them out. I'm leaving them there. I want to insulate them with my truth and with my word. But it, he leaves us here for a purpose. And yet still, when we think about that, we, we grow in learning how much this is just a stinking temporary assignment. That really does change our outlook on everything, okay? I'm on a layover, I'm going to make the best I can of it because this isn't the, my, my end destination. This isn't where I'm going. I'm just here for a while, and I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to ride the trains, <laughs> okay? I'm going, to, I'm going to do what I can the best while I'm here. And then lastly, and it almost made me like when I'm putting together a sermon, I wouldn't have put this in there. Unity is that big. But as I mentioned before, as I study Scripture, I have no reservation about preaching about how important it is that we be together in him that we be focused on being together in him i watch over the years people who want to harbor bitterness they don't want to hold on to it and i would imagine honestly i would imagine there's somebody in this room that that could tell you this story real fast well 20 years ago he said so and so to my son in the hallway and he corrected me or he corrected him and i don't like the way he did it you know, we, we just have a tendency to do that so much where we hold on to bitterness and anger. And uh, we, uh, we, uh, um, unity doesn't come through appeasement. It doesn't come through avoiding conflict. But unity is so crucial to Jesus Christ that he gives us ways. And one of the biggest ways, and, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying here, but one of the biggest ways comes in the word forgiveness. Where I could just for, forgive people. And just, and just move on and say, hey, you know what? We need to be together in what we're doing. Do we understand how incredible our opportunity is here on our layover? To share with people that God loves them so much that he sent his son. That ought to overwhelm us. Let us become consumed with this, folks. Let us become consumed with the passion. Let us realize that Jesus Christ prays, says he's our ever, he ever lives to make intercession for us. I think this is part of ever, don't you? And I think he's making intercession for us now, and he's praying for us. What's he praying? Well, I hope they make a lot of money. Well, okay. <laughs> well, I hope they have a good time on their vacation. I hope the Galvin survive. Uh, you know, whatever like that. I think he, I think he pray, uh, what he prays we see here so much more. And I hope we understand as we go through life that he's praying these things for us. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.